0: Welcome to the how not to screw up your kids podcast so pour yourself a cuppa find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation this is episode 88 and today's episode children who hit is all about children who get physical now how we respond to hitting follows some general same principles and rules the issue will need some additional attention based on how old your child is and what developmental stage they're at. For example, a young pre-verbal child, so a child that isn't really articulating, isn't able to speak fluently to communicate their needs, is going to need a very different approach to an 18-year-old. And I would imagine, actually, as parents, this is probably one of, can often feel, one of the most challenging things to be able to manage. I remember my eldest, my son, was quite big. I mean, he was six foot two now as an adult but actually he was quite broad and stocky as a young boy and quite tall and I was always sort of slightly very mindful he wasn't actually quite a physical child in that respect but I remember once going to a coffee shop and he did push a child over and I was mortified I think part of it is that whole judgment of thinking oh my goodness me what are other people parents going to think of me and I'm a bad mother and I got a thug of a child or whatever that might be I think there is that whole th- that judgment piece and actually it's not of all of the things that our children can do whether that's snatching a to- toy or picking their nose being physical I think you can let me know by all means right in I think is one of those ones that we feel the most nervous and judged about and I wonder actually do we feel that even more so than if our child has a full-blown tantrum let me know actually genuinely I would be let's do a bit of a poll let me know if when you think about what as a parent when you think about that judgment piece what is it in terms of your child's behavior that you feel most judged and most worried about and I have to say when my children were growing up hitting was the one of all of the things that I I was let tantrums and meltdowns I I felt less didn't worry me as much in terms of judgments but hitting absolutely did so do write in to us and let us know because I think that would be a really interesting one and I will tell you the results of the poll once we've got your responses in please send your responses in. Um, sorry, Heidi, uh, to contact at drmaryhand.com. That goes direct to my PA, who will probably not thank me for it, but just set, just send it in. Um, and I'm sure she'll forgive me. So back to the topic at hand. So children who hit. So I think we need to think about why. I think it's important that we understand why children hit in the first place, because I think this informs us as to where we start. Now, I want you to always be mindful, and I'll try and sort of guide you through it as we talk about it, that it obviously also depends on how old your child. So for example, one of the most common reasons why children hit is they struggle to emotionally regulate. So it's this idea of they experience this massively big emotion, and it's massive and big to them. Remember, children are very in the present moment. They're not like us. They don't think about what's happening down the line and you know okay i might not be allowed to do what i want right now but i know in 2 hours i'm going to be able to no they're so present it's so enormous to them in that moment now obviously if it is about a child who's struggling to emotional emotionally regulate we might approach it in a slightly different way with an 18 month old toddler who's just getting really frustrated about some a tower that they're trying to build or a sibling that's come along and knocked something over, then it maybe is for a 16-year-old who decides to punch the wall. So it's really being able to think, but we have to have that context in the background. So one of the reasons why is that they struggle to emotionally regulate. So that that tends to be, it's been become quite often a, then a learned response, particularly if it ends up Being happening with older children so what that's probably one of the main reasons is the struggle to emotionally regulate so manage those big emotions and then choose a more appropriate response so their go-to is much more of a physical space to kind of release it and for some that physical need can actually be quite cathartic it helps them release that and then there's an element of calm for some it doesn't the, the calm doesn't then come afterwards so it is that's probably one of the big reasons the other one is about poor impulse control so it could be that they're aware that actually lashing out is not the most appropriate thing they know that there are other more appropriate responses but they struggle to manage that impulse in that moment and so it come the reaction is much more to do with the fact that i can't stop myself and you do get this with some children when you have those conversations with them about you know that hitting isn't a great way of, isn't necessarily the most appropriate in that situation how might we think of other ways children will often talk about that they feel that it's something that just takes over them it's it's almost as if they have they feel they have no control over it it's almost this huge wave that comes over them and then that acts on their behalf rather than it actually feeling them. They they almost feel detached from it. So one you know the, the most common reason is that our children are struggling to emotionally regulate. It can be that they've got poor impulse control. The other way is that it can be a mechanism for them to get their own way. Now with that one we can pretty much extinguish that one by not conceding to their request after they have hit but you may have found that that's become a bit entrenched and sometimes children are not foolish they understand certain situations they learn very quickly that there are certain situations where they can behave in a particular way and they're more likely to get their way and we have to remember children are always going to be testing boundaries that's part of what they're doing you know when we establish some boundaries and some rules around things though they are very good at following those boundaries but they will consistently try and push that boundary because that's a natural part of development. They're, they're trying to have a tu- you know a feel around for how far, how much scope have I got? Where is the boundary? How much flex is in that boundary? Can I do this? Oh, no, okay, I can't do that. Oh, but I can in this situation or I can on this particular day when they're in this particular mood. So that's why this whole idea about consistency. But those are generally the reasons why children will get physical in the first place. So we have to understand that context. What I would say is that when we've got very young children, we're going to look through what we can do in a moment. But when we've got very young children, it's also worth... And actually, I say very young children. I think with all children. If you're not quite sure why it's happening, then I would suggest you just try and keep a diary. Just keep, keep a note of things that might be affecting think situations why is that happening so you can see if there's some commonality so it could be and I know when you've got young children I remember being really annoyed with this certainly um, is that everything seems to get blamed on oh, are they tired oh they're tired and particularly if we end up saying that to our children oh you're tired and that's why you're getting emotional you're tired or you're hungry but actually for for some children not all children but for some children, that tiredness can hugely impact impulse control. If you think about when you're tired, how good are you at managing your impulses in those moments? Are you much more likely to reach for something that isn't necessarily healthy? Or say something that isn't necessarily what you mean? Or use a, are you more likely to lose your temper? Are you? It's all of those sorts of things. So we just need to be mindful of some of the factors that might also be contributing towards it so if we're far, tra- finding it difficult to actually is it that my child can't emotionally regulate or is it an impulse control then what you might want to do or is it as a mechanism to get their own way you might just want to keep a note just on a scrap piece of paper of when you when it happens and then just to see whether there's some particular commonalities it could be that your child when they come home from nursery are just exhausted and so you're getting that but it could equally be when they feel that there's too many demands being placed on them it could be in certain situations it could be with certain people so it's just being able i think that can be quite a useful thing to do it just gives you a bit of an indication as to what what, what situations does that come up in so we've understood why our children might get physical in the first place so what do we do so this is in no particular order they were literally as they came to my mind the first one is we need to be really clear about how we establish rules around getting physical and hitting others and i think when we're establishing those rules i think it's actually quite nice to frame them in, in a more i'm trying not to use the word positive but i think trying to frame it in a more compassionate. I seem to be anti-positive and negative at the moment sorry I'm not doing it deliberately but I think I would rather rather than saying we don't hit in this house I think it's actually really helpful particularly with younger children to use expressions about being kind with our hands for example you can you can phrase it in whichever way that you want to do but it's really about because i think when we focus on the positives then we can and and the terminology that that demonstrates compassion and kindness the easier it is for our children because we can constantly refer back to that about using kind hands and being thoughtful with the way that we are with other people and how we are with our hands is something that we can say over and over again whereas actually if you think about we don't hit in this house trying to reinforce that and talk about that often just doesn't have the same sort of uplifting context it, it, it comes at things very much from a this is not what we should do which i don't think is as helpful so it's about establishing rules around kindness with our hands and how we use our hands on others yeah, i think as we get as our children are older i definitely think we can start using language about it's not appropriate to lay your hands on anyone else. And I certainly have done that when my children were much, much older. It was about actually, your hands don't touch anyone else without their permission because that encompasses much more. And obviously for older children, it then also encompasses the notion of consent. So it moves beyond just simply, you mustn't hit your sibling or you mustn't hit someone out of frustration, but it then becomes much more around. And actually you need to check with somebody if it's okay for you to hug them or to grab their hand it's that is really helping them understand that there is some aspect of respect that they need to have for another person and we at the basic level we do that around what we do with our hands and so it is really establishing those rules but i think framing it from the perspective of the desired behavior rather than really focusing in on the undesirable behavior so that would be the first one it's about establishing those rules and I talk so often about this idea that our role as parents is to help have this scaffolding for our children's rising building but before the building can even begin to rise we set these foundations on which the building can rise and that includes respect in the treatment of others so that's part of the foundation so you can talk about that in terms of what your family values are and again When we're having those Sunday planning meetings, when we're getting back together as a family to talk through our week, we can talk, we can keep integrating these things in terms of the desired behaviour as part of that language. So the first one is establishing rules. The next one is about using consequences to to reinforce these rules so and by consequences of course I think a lot of us automatically assume that the consequences are, are going to be negative but actually let's reinforce these rules using positive consequences as well let's reinforce it with I really liked the way that you were very gentle with your brother when you were trying to explain something I really I felt I was so impressed with the way that you managed that huge feeling and I could see that you wanted to push your brother and you didn't. I'm really impressed that that big feeling that came over you and that need to punch something, you chose to punch your pillow rather than, than use unkind hands on other people. So it's really thinking about, can we also use positive consequences, reinforce good choices that our children are making in those moments, and obviously adapt the language. I've you know I've just given you some examples that are quite linguistically you know there's heavy so you wouldn't use that kind of language um, with a with a toddler or a young two-year-old but you might say that's great kind hands really gentle whether that's stroking a pet or being nice as they introduce themselves to someone else so it's thinking about how can we reinforce that using consequences but also when they make poor choices and our children will make Poor choices. It doesn't mean that they're going to be some violent physical monster when they get older. Some children, as we've talked before about these ages and stages of their development, their emotional development isn't quite there yet. They just need that bit more time. They need that bit more scaffolding, which we'll talk about. So it's about just recognizing that in that moment and treating it very much with each instance and each moment rather than getting too caught up in oh my goodness me i've got now got a this aggressive thug of a child in that moment your child made a poor choice it doesn't mean that that's going to be an inherent part of their behavior and particularly when we respond to it in that compassionate way so in that in those situations it's about talking about consequences and with really young children the consequences can be helping them understand that by being physical and hitting, that person then felt sad because we didn't use kind hands. So how can we make amends? How can we show that we are sorry? So that might be saying sorry. It might be drawing a picture. It may be if they've knocked over a tower that was being built, it might be about putting putting the tower back. But it's about helping them see that there is a natural consequence of the choice that they made in that moment and really try and make sure that the consequence is as closely related to the misdemeanor as is possible. Don't be tempted to sort of end up with a consequence that you think has more gravitas for your child, which is often around technology and devices, which has absolutely nothing to do with what happened so really make sure now sometimes you know, if they've been physical because you've asked them to come off a device and they've they've hit you because of that, then there is a consequence to that and a natural consequence is that they're not being responsible and not using kind hands when it comes to their device use. So it might be that they lose some of their time on it. That, might, that will be appropriate because it's related to the misdemeanor. But where we use technology as a leverage because we think, it's the only thing my child cares about and I have got nothing else I can leverage, then that's not as helpful because we need to be thinking all of the time, we're working with that end goal in mind and that end goal is to raise a happy, confident, resilient adult who's able to fully function in the world and part of fully functioning in the world is understanding for every behavioural choice they make. There is a consequence to that Both empowering and wonderful for people, but also ones that are not so positive, and therefore they need to understand the world is not really full of punishments unless you break the law. So let's really keep it in line with what will happen in terms of their adult their adult lives. So it's establishing rules. It's using consequences to reinforce those rules, both good consequences as well as the consequences so that they can understand what they should do differently next time. And then it's about teaching appropriate behaviour. So it's not all right to push someone over or it isn't okay to punch a person and use unkind hands with a person, but we can punch a pillow. Is that helpful? Shall we try it? Will we try that next time? So really helping them with this teaching appropriate behaviour. And part of that is going to be a bit of problem solving. What might help you next time? With young children, it may well, with very young children who are not necessarily able to articulate, then what we might do is offer them up some choices. Maybe, you know, some children genuinely need to release that physical side by doing something physical. So it might be squeezing uh, like a squishy or a stress ball it might be about punching a pillow but some others it may well actually be something that is comforting so it may be going to their particular comforter or it might be about distraction so it's helping teach appropriate behavior and also for us to model appropriate behavior so it's making sure that when we become frustrated, that we don't... And this isn't about saying that your parents that are then hitting your children. It's not, but it's, are you then getting physical in some way? Are you slamming doors? Are you stomping around? Are you demonstrating, and we'll talk about this in a moment in terms of emotional regulation, but are you demonstrating that you are emotionally regulated in a way that you are asking your child or not? So it's really teaching them some appropriate behavior and what they can do instead. So that's number three. So we've got established rules, use consequences to reinforce those rules, teach appropriate behavior, and also teach responsibility. So it's this ownership that whatever choice they make in the moment is a choice that they have made, even if it feels like this huge wave is coming over them. So it's that. And part of the teaching responsibility always comes back to that consequence is that understanding that they have a responsibility for the choice that they made and how they can then make amends with that is down to them. They are responsible for those choices. So it's, it's about using language around that. It's one of the activities that I've talked about quite often in terms of helping children manage those big emotions which is a really good one to do here about teaching responsibility, is around the when I feel activity. So it's basically, the activity is when I feel there's a blank, I may blank, I need blank. So this is simply, I do them on little cards, almost like they're not business cards, but that sort of size. And it's the same three words, when I feel there's a blank, because then you substitute an emotion. When I feel angry, I may, how would I know that you're angry? Explain to me what what I would be looking for to know that you are angry. So it's that what is there, how does that show up? So I might shout, I might throw something, I might say something unkind. I need, so in those moments, what do you need? And avoid this idea that that's a negative emotion and how can we move from this negative angry into feeling happy? But instead, simply say you're experiencing, a, the emotion feels big. What do you need to ride that big feeling? To work through that big feeling until that big feeling feels like it's faded away. So that wave has been and it has gone. And the I need is where we're teaching our children about responsibility. What did they need in that moment? Now, children will quite often give a response to I need, which involves you in some way so maybe i need a hug or maybe i need to play with you or something and that's fine accept that but also ask them to problem solve beyond that by thinking about well sometimes i can't play with you and sometimes i'm not with you at nursery or i'm not with you at school or we're not able to do that game or take that toy what might you be able to do instead because we want to give them a whole raft of tools that they can use in any situation and that's a really really crucial part and certainly if you've got a child that's old enough you can have those sort of dotted around but it's just that whole self-awareness and then teaching that responsibility and of course if we've got older children you know if, if we've got a 13 year old that's getting physical 16 18 year old that's getting physical teaching them that responsibility of that that emotion is how they feel but they get to choose how they respond in that moment and if they feel overwhelmed by that emotion what is available to them in that moment with that situation to be able to give them some space so is it for them that they need to remove themselves from that situation is it that they need to count to 10 in their head is it that they have a certain thing that they go to whether it's a tool whether they suddenly try and anchor themselves in the present and suddenly come up with five things that they can see that removes them from the feeling but anchors them in their environment in that moment so we can we can come up with some different ways of approaching that teaching responsibility so we've got established rules use consequences to reinforce those rules teach appropriate behavior teach responsibility the fourth one is about scaffolding emotional regulation so let's help our children become better able to regulate their emotion and one of the things we must make sure that we do in this moment and remember we don't have to get it right a hundred percent of the time if we can get it right two times out of ten then that's brilliant or we get it we do it get it right one percent more each day then we're moving in the right direction and it's understanding that if your child is using physical force to manage a big emotion because they have no other way they can't emotionally regulate Then we must not meet that big emotion and lack of emotional regulation with our lack of emotional regulation. If we meet their anger with our anger and our anger might not be physical, but our anger may be in raised voice. Our anger might be in shame. It might be in how could you? That's not appropriate. How dare you? Whatever that might be, then we are not going to help our child come down from that dysregulation we have to help a child who's dysregulated by demonstrating and scaffolding it with our own emotional regulation that's not an appropriate way to we don't use unkind hands in this house and then create some space because what you need to remember is when that hitting happens there's the full force of the emotion trying to reason and logic and have a conversation about do you understand the consequences of that why did you do that you know that's not appropriate they can't in that moment when they're in the emotional brain access any logical rational decision making thinking they're too much in that emotional side so create an opportunity for space and that also helps you begin to get your own emotions regulated again so that when you then go back and talk about it you're able to talk about it in a more it's not that you're not compassionate in the moment but it's really difficult and particularly if a child has done You know, maybe you've got a child who's sitting all of the time and you're just fed up and you can't believe that you're having this conversation again And last time we spoke about it you promised you weren't going to do it and I don't understand why you can't understand that that's not okay and you know whether they're hitting you whatever that might be it's really difficult with all the best intentions to always approach it in that in the best way so creating a bit of space for you as well as for your child is really helpful now what i will say is if you have got a child who is still lashing out who is repeatedly hitting then you need to understand that they're still in that heightened state and what what you need to do is find some way to help them find calm and you might have to play around with this one it may well be that you slightly force a cuddle and that might work for your child it might not that forced cuddle might make your child lash out even more then in which case it might be about providing them with something that they can lash out with I'm definitely not of the view that if you've got a child who's getting very angry, removing them from the situation in terms of banishing them, like you just go to your room and deal with this. I think there's a difference in that if you have a situation where it is unsafe, as in they're in a room or around things where they can't be able, they're just not going to be able to express that full emotion safely on their own, then you'll communicate calmly and quietly that, I could, that this, is, this is really big, but I need to make sure that you're safe so that you can work through this feeling and let's go together, let's find somewhere better that we can do that and then take them to another space because that's really what you want to fundamentally do. You do not want to leave a child because if you're thinking about it, they're expressing their emotion through the hit, through that whole idea of being physical and if they're finding it really difficult to manage that big emotion if you then send them somewhere or remove them on their own completely then that just only intensifies their inability to manage that situation and that feeling and that just creates more of a disconnect we want our children to feel that we're we're connected with them we just don't like the choice that they've made in that moment so it's about making sure that they're in a safe space whatever that might be and when you try if you do try and hug them and when you're doing the debrief and the conversation afterwards it's saying I know I hugged you and we talk about kind hands and I didn't check with you beforehand but I was worried about you. Next time this happens was that helpful? Should I do that again next time or is there something better that I might be able to do to help? So sometimes we have to act in what we think instinctively may well be right in that moment. It may not be but we can then have a conversation afterwards. That. Next one is about work on improving communication skills around language. So the idea is helping them using that when I feel I may, I need in terms of helping with their emotional literacy, but also helping them communicate more effectively how they're feeling and what they might need in that moment. And that all comes from that debrief that you do afterwards when things are calm and it's not a judgment thing. It just I think we need to talk about what happened earlier on. I really you know I could see that you were angry but I just did not know what set it off and I didn't even know how to help you can we talk it through how next time how might you be able to tell me that that's how you were feeling so that we can work through that more quickly rather than leaving it to to bottle up so it's helping them work on those communication skills because then that should mean that they'll diminish they'll begin you should see less and less of them and the final one is that we, we have to address any underlying issues which trigger the hitting. So that's where we go back to that sort of, the, that little, the little diary entries or that notebook that we're keeping to identify. Is it to do with tiredness? Is it to do with certain people, certain situations? Is it to do with particular emotions? Is it to do with certain people? What is it particularly that makes them feel overwhelmed? Is it around certain emotions that trigger that? and you know whilst we're talking about children are getting physical the assumption is that they're getting physical because they're angry some children get physical because they're anxious because they're nervous because they feel backed into a corner over something and so they lash out so don't be fooled or tempted into thinking that this that the underlying issue is always going to be around the emotion that is anger or frustration it could be something else so it's really trying to look at for those underlying issues so it's about establishing rules using consequences teaching appropriate behavior teaching responsibility scaffolding emotional regulation work on improving communication skills and addressing any other underlying issues which might be triggering it now i would like to answer no one's asked me these questions but i think these might be some common ones so i just want to quickly address this, these question number one is what do i do when a child laughs as they either hit uh, uh, you know if, what happens if we get a child that hit that laughs I don't believe that children are laughing because they genuinely think it's funny you know how sometimes some people make inappropriate well what feels like inappropriate laugh at it, just highly inappropriate situations maybe they laugh at a funeral I think sometimes children laugh because there's a sense of slight discomfort in a particular situation so it's not that they're laughing because they think it's funny but it's just a response that they've had it may be, particularly with much, much younger children, is they might actually genuinely think it's a bit of a game. So be, if, it's a very young char- if it's a very young child and they're laughing, ask yourself, is there anything that I'm doing that might be reinforcing it in terms of the way that I'm saying, no, that that's not okay, that then might be sending my child down that, thinking that that's an acceptable piece of behaviour. And if it isn't, then what I would also say is try not to get triggered by it. I know it's easier said than done because it really triggers us massively. It's this whole idea of you're doing something so highly unkind and inappropriate and you have the audacity to laugh about it. It's not like you've got a child who's got some devious mind. It is probably more likely that they've either assumed that it's something that's funny by accident and that's much more likely to happen with a younger child. With older ones, it might just be a really one of those just inappropriate reactions to something and doesn't necessarily need you compounding and layering it with a response deal with the physical hitting rather than the laughter what about biting now biting can be similar biting can be quite often associated with younger children where it might be a mouthing thing they're exploring things or it might be part of that that emotional um finding difficult emotions children who bite usually if they're much younger, it usually is something that they will work through as their emotional knowledge improves. If you're getting a child who is biting rather than hitting, then respond to it and use exactly the same strategies that I've talked about here. And finally, rough play among siblings. Rough play does happen. And I think you have to make a decision based on your family and what happened. And children some children can just naturally be more physical than other children so it's about agreeing what those ground rules are for your family so it may well be you have two siblings who do a lot of rough play but they have to agree when that rough play starts they have to agree a signal for for a really clear signal when one of them has had enough of that rough play So I hope that that's useful but do come back to me with my poll that I asked you about earlier right at the beginning of the podcast in terms of when you think about judgment as a parent what is that one behavior above all else that makes you worry that you're going to be judged as a parent. My give this week is going to be an outline of the what to do in those moments to help you and in the form of a checklist with a little bit of space so that you can reflect underneath and so it can serve as that reminder but also help you think about which one of those areas are you going to focus in on particularly first so as usual go over to my free resource library drmaryhancom forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the resource all you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource but all the other resources across all my other podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time.